This is Strange Assembly episode 226, L5R LCG Corset Review, Part 2. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today are Jay Earl. Hello. And Mike Cook. Hey. And this is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com, or you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or at the Google Play Music Store. We are picking up with our card-by-card look at the core set for the Legend of the Five Rings LCG, which we need to get done before they actually release the Dynasty Cycle, so go, go, go. Last time, in uh, episode 225, part 1, we talked about the gray cards, basically, or the light gray cards, because we're going to start off with the dark gray cards today, the Crab Clan. Is that what color these are? Just dark gray? It seems like it. They used to be like a darker blue, or I guess a lighter blue. But yeah, they're gray. Maybe there's a little bit of blue in there. I'm honestly not great with colors. I am, and it's much more gray than blue. I don't see very much blue at all. Okay, I know when we get to the crane, I, I'm like, there's there's hardly even any blue on the crane. Yeah. It's so faded. The cyan ink is really expensive. <laughs> so, the crab, I don't know how much there is to say about the strongholds, because you know you only have the one to pick from, so if you want to play that clan, what you going to do? The Crab Stronghold is Shirio Nishiyama. It helps you on defense. That's what the Crab do. It doesn't help you on offense. It seems like it gets the job done to me. Yeah. Plus three seems real good. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we've got just sort of like, like for the strongholds, there's a couple that are kind of like, ah, eh, that's not good. Uh, and that's mostly it. I don't know. There's a couple of them that, that kind of change the way the game is played a little bit. But, right, the, the crab one is just, we're good on defense. Yep. So, Surprise. Uh, what a shock. <laughs> <laughs> so... The crab, unlike everybody else, have two holdings. The Funeral Pyre and the Borderlands Fortification. If you remember last time, you'll know I'm, I kind of default to being a fan of the holdings. I, I kind of like the neutral ones. Here, Funeral Pyre, while being strictly worse than, say, the Phoenix holding, is really, really good. Because it's pretty much free. With the possibility of triggering stuff that triggers when you sacrifice people. Yeah. Uh, is good. I think it's medium, but it's not bad. The fact that you can sacrifice people who have no fate and who are already bowed this turn... The repeated card draw, I, I really like. I mean, every once in a while you get to do cutesy things where you trigger stuff for having sacrificed somebody, but... I feel like it's a necessary three of in any crab deck. I would not agree. I don't think that this is actually that much better than an Imperial store, uh, Storehouse. There's already plenty of sacrifice effects in the deck generally, 
and it doesn't give any province strength. So unless you flip this up with a Borderlands fortifications, it's not helping you keep that province. Although, I mean, obviously, Crab just kind of do that naturally pretty well anyways. So I just, I don't know how many cards you actually draw off of it. If your opponent goes out of their way to crack the province with the funeral pyre in it, I mean, isn't that kind of a signal that they, that the funeral pyre is, that it's worth getting rid of? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, if it, the other option is just face down cards, then it's like, well, yes, you'd always go with the face up card rather than the face down card. Like, you sack, you sacking your own dudes is real good if you can keep a flow of cheap dudes. But if you just don't get cheap dudes, you don't really want to sack a three to this. I mean, you can at the end of the turn when it doesn't have any fate and it's going to go away anyways. Well, but, yeah. Yeah. But that's it, when you I sack them. <laughs> uh, like I said, I don't think it's bad. I also don't know that it's, like, guaranteed three of them. I just don't know that it's going to be that much better than Imperial Source. I could be wrong. I, I am not a crowd player, so. Now, what about Borderlands Fortification? It, it is one that I, I look at it in a vacuum, and it seems like it should be good. It's like, oh, it's it's like plus two to whatever it is that your opponent's attacking. And yet it doesn't really seem to work out. I feel like the best part about Holdings is that from... Because they can flip up after the province is already broken, and they're not going to stick around. So this actually does help with that somewhat. But... It also doesn't do anything for the province it's eating, uh, other than help you protect it. No, no, that's that's exactly what it does. It's I mean the idea is well whatever the whatever the thing is that my opponent's attacking, I can yank the borderlands fortification over there if that plus two is going to save the province. I mean that's that's exactly what it does. Yeah, but I mean if it's in a also like if it's in a broken province, I don't. There are some cases where they go after your dude and you can yank it, but you know, your dude out of that province, so they can't, you know, they'd have to make a second attack to actually get him. But if it's in a broken province and going away anyways, well, you'll hold your fortification rather than the guy. But, like, you can't discard it once you figure out, oh, they actually are going to take this now. Or they can just charge right at it to pop it if they really want to. Right. But it, it yeah, and it, and it only stops, I mean, it only, only, I'm like kind of air quoting the only, it only works once per turn. So you, it, it doesn't, you know, help against every single attack, but... Right. I just, I don't think plus two is big enough versus, like, a plus one that will draw you a card or get, you a do, get your dude out of combat. Yeah, it... Like I said, it, it, it seems like it should be better than I... I think it has... It works out in practice. As it... In, in practice, I... I don't feel like it's something you should be playing with, but maybe I'm... You know, maybe I'm not seeing it used properly or... So those, I mean, those are obviously dynasty cards. The crab have another, I think, twelve dynasty characters on top of that. Let's see, we've got sacrifice bait, the eager scout. He's playable because as sacrifice bait, basically. No, well, and also as bonsai fuel. Yeah, I, I guess. I mean, he's he's a dude. He can defend. He can be an eager scout. He can be like, you know what? I want to see what that province is. Here I come. Oh, it was a rally the cause. I don't care. He's <laughs> <laughs> fine. He's good. He's mostly good because of what else the crab have, I think. Yes. If you if if the crab were not doing their sacrifice thing, I don't think he'd be worth it. 
even though, I mean, he's free, but what he does just isn't worth the card. But I think that because they are doing the sacrifice thing, he becomes something you almost necessarily want to play. Well, also, he's a, a, a tempo hit in the dynasty phase, which actually matters because of first person passing to get the fate. It, yes, yeah, you are you are not getting the fate for passing first when you're buying Eager Scout. Because he's, he's essentially costing you a fate at that point, which is a you're paying one for zero zero, and that's not great. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah. Maybe if you, maybe if it's like first Hita Kasada, then Eager Scout, then Pass, you might be able to get it. But other than that, no. Yeah. So next up is the Hita Guardian. This one is also one that has not worked out as well as I thought it would. I mean, like a one-one for one. That's not good, but like that's not awful, I guess. And her action feels like it should do more. I mean, you know, it, it should very commonly be a plus two, plus two. Sometimes it's going to be a plus four, plus four. But there just seem to be enough times when you don't actually have a holding. Because, for example, your opponent tries to crack your funeral pyre, pyre as soon as it comes up. Or, and this is more relevant than I thought it was going to be, because you have to have two characters in a fight together. And yet still... I mean, she probably still gets played. I'm not sure exactly where the cutoff is for the crab on what the right set of things is for them to play. I think one one for a one one for one is not such a horrible rate that you don't play her. If you have a holding and you had a card that was like you pay one for plus plus three plus three to a character, it probably play that card. I think, and that's essentially what she kind of is. Yeah, they're just, I, you know, it's the whole, like, I only get so many cards in my deck. I guess it depends on how many, how many neutral, what you feel about the neutrals for the crab. I mean, I, I think you still want to play neutral holdings, especially since you, you know, have things that, like, Hida Guardian or the Shrewd Yasuhi that care about holdings. But, I mean, maybe, you know, you forego, you know, much in the way of neutral characters. Because, right, you, with, with 40 cards, you get basically 13 and if you play, say, three sets of neutral cards, like, you know, let's say you play, you know, three sets of neutral cards, you got to pick, like, basically ten clan cards. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I feel like Hina Guardian's ability would be much better on, like, a two-for-two two two or even, like, a three-three-for-three, three, because part of this is that you have to have another body, but also it's, like, if she was decently sized and then they either have to choose between, like, tapping her down or tapping down the other person that she's going to make big then she's a much better card, I think. But if it's just, oh, hey, I make another dude big, and then you just tap down that other dude, my 1-1's one, not doing much after that. Well, yeah, but as soon as you make her a 3-3 three, three for 3 or something like that, it becomes much harder to have the spread of characters you need, multiples of them together. I mean, right? Right. You talked about bonsaiing an Eager Scout. You can also heat a Guardian in Eager Scout. Or a Kyle Envoy, who's our next character over, who... This one is an auto-include. He's exceptionally good. Yeah. Yes. Sort of free, card-wise, sort of free, <laughs> fate-wise. Just get a character to use for a turn, possibly throw him to any sort of sacrifice effect you want, and who cares? You leave him up to get the favor. Really, really strong, cheap card. Would be good even if they weren't doing the sacrifice thing. 
I think anybody would be happy to get the Kyle Envoy in their deck. Any clan. Now, finally, still cheap but big is the Haruma Yojimbo. Cannot be declared as an attacker. Can move into a fight. So you can try to do cutesy things with, like, favorable ground. Yeah. Uh, And yet, I don't know. Like, she is really on the bubble. I don't think she makes the cut. I could see playing, like, a couple of her. I mean... She makes defending stupid easy. She's going to be a five, five a five four with your with your stronghold for two. That seems probably okay. Yeah, I guess we could compare her to her, like to go a little bit outside. I mean, obviously we're going outside the clan, but you've got the most experience playing Phoenix. How like how is the Shiva peacemaker worked out? Yeah, he's he's good for he's a cheap body that you can just not have to worry nearly as much about having somebody for military defense. So yeah, I mean, she seems good to me that it's she's not as cheap of a body, but being able to know, oh, I've got somebody to cover the defense so I can send my other guys on the offense seems good to me. And especially with the three political, because that's something the crab tend to struggle with anyways. Three is actually a pretty decent defense. I mean, the crab are definitely better on military than political. Their stronghold helps with that some, though. They've, they've, you know, you can't, you can't beat the defensive clan if you just crumble to one of the attack modes. But I, I don't know. Right. I guess I, I don't know. You just don't have the the flexibility that I like with her. But you know, I mean, I so borderline. Uh, I think at least. Then there's the shrewd Yasuki. He's also amazing. It's unlikely that there's not going to be a holding in play. You're playing with holdings. He works if your opponent has holdings, although depending on the holding, I guess your opponent might choose to blow it up rather than let you draw cards off of the shrewd Yasuki. Yeah, but then they have to do it early rather than like trying to hold it in a province to help it defend. If it's an Imperial storehouse or something, they're probably going to pop it before you can use the shrewd Yasuki. There's a lot of the other ones that aren't poppable, right? A lot of the clan strongholds, right. or sorry, the clan uh, holdings aren't, you know, those those ones tend to hang around more, unlike the neutrals. And, you know, it seems like as a crab player, I'd want, I don't know, seven to nine holdings in my deck. So I'm probably going to have a holding. Uh, I mean, I guess my opponent might try to bust them immediately. Well... Also, I mean, if he's sitting in your province and no, uh, you don't have any holdings, that means you're seeing all four dynasty cards, so you just buy the other three, let him hang around for a bit. Yeah, good point, because it's not, again, it's, yeah, it's not like you're, when you don't have any holdings, it's not like you're going to be able to buy out your provinces anyway. Yeah. And if you value a card at about a fate, then he's a one-two for one, as long as you can get his ability off, which is pretty good. That's another one I think should just just be in every crab deck, essentially. I think I've already got three of those. Uh, I think we'll be in hanging out in crab decks for a while. And another one is the Vanguard Warrior. His stats are mediocre, but you get a fate back out of him before he dies. Mm-hmm. Yep. In a really versatile way, too. While the Vanguard Warrior is around, there will no be peeling the last, using Void to peel the last fate off of my clan champion. Oh no. 
<laughs> whatever your best character is, is going to hang around for another turn longer. He should just be in the deck, and you're not you're not happy when you buy him, but you're happy when he goes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think even if there are replacement characters later, he's still like a two of at least, probably a lot of other times. Borderlands Defender? 3-3 three, three for 3, so solid stats. Versatile, which you need to be for defense, or you want to be for defense. The ability, though, I, I don't think that's good enough. That would be much scarier on an attacker, like while this character is attacking, they cannot be bowed or sent home. Not that it's nothing. I mean, it, it's something, but I, I think she's on the wrong side of the bubble. I think this is already a character that probably does not make it into the deck and is not going to make it in the decks after there's any kind of dynasty packs. Well, yes and no, I would say, because yes, I I think you're kind of right, but at the same point, there aren't that many Bower move effects, but as they're added and potentially cheaper ones are added, then I think her value does somewhat go up. Yeah, you'd prefer this just be at any, you know, any point whatsoever, or, you know, also usable on attack. But, yeah, I mean, there's, she helps keep keep your stronghold around. She doesn't not get coverted, but, you know, they can't just go with a big attack and then send her home. Although at a 3-3, that's going to be a little bit harder anyways. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's, she's fairly hard to route or outwit regardless. <laughs> I think she's fine for a core card. Now you have a similar one who I like... Do I like better? I don't know. I think someone who's in a a comparable situation is the Intimidating Hida. It's a 4-2 instead of a 3-3. So there are reasons to want balanced stats like for defense, but I think all of the things being equal, right? Isn't a 4-2 better than a 3-3? Yeah, a a 4-2 or a 2-4. Yeah, 4-2 or 2-4. Yes, there's more versatility with a 3-3, but you know you know when you've got somebody who's 4-2, well, they're probably going to end up in a military conflict and just be a 4. His ability, I don't think, is that relevant. It's not irrelevant. Crab have this choke thing they can do. Every extra ping of honor matters. And if you're doing things like playing Way of the Crab and blowing up your opponent's units, it may be hard for them to be able to mount a defense and declare both of their attacks. But, again, it's another character that, to me, is mostly stats. And is that enough? Are, are we all, we're all, I feel like we're already at a point where I don't know if that's enough. Well, I mean, I, I do think you actually... I think his stats are okay, but I, you are going to get this, right? Because it's just whenever he passes on a conflict. So, unless they use both conflicts, you're going to get it. Well, yeah, but usually your opponent does use both conflicts, at least in my experience. I don't know. I've seen it kind of go both ways. I'd say it's like 50-50. Like, literally, half the turns people send one attack, half the turns people do do two attacks. Even if it just dings your opponent for one, that's not bad, right? If this just said reaction, when Intimidating Hita comes into play, your opponent loses an honor, you're going to take that. Well, right, and I think this is also with... I think they have enough honor loss, especially this with Watch Commander, which we'll get to eventually. I think you could potentially, probably not right now, but in the future, slap, splash some Scorpion and maybe get some, uh, a pretty strong Dishonor flavor. 
they don't have that bad at it at right now. Right. Well, that's one of the reasons why, again, I think I mean, Funeral Pyre can be very helpful for them because card draw is significant when you're trying to do the whole choke thing. So what else do we have in, in Crab? We've got Vengeful Berserker. Now this character has just worse stats than all these guys we've been talking about. Three dash, the dreaded dash. But, you know, you put a fine katan on him, you sacrifice somebody, and he's a 10. Yeah, and anything you add to him later also gets doubled. Yeah, it is bonkers when you get the sacrifice thing going. And you should get the sacrifice thing going. So, I feel like Vengeful Berserker, every crab deck. Hida Tomonatsu, no? Yeah, it's it's just bad. She is just bad. I feel like Hida Tumanatsu, like, I'd rather have either the Borderlands Defender or the Intimidating Hida. Better stats, same cost. I really like this art. Yeah, this is the one everybody thought it was Oushi. Like, oh, it's a female crab with a with a big hammer. It must be Oushi. No. Yeah, which actually makes me sad that this card is not very good, because you, you're probably not going to play her. Now, there's three crab dynasty cards left, and I'm going to put all of them in the yes, you're playing this category we've got the steadfast witch hunter a 4-2 for 4 but with that fantastic sacrifice a character ready a character I mean it's got the downside of fighting with say funeral pyre but you know you're eating Kyle envoys you're eating eager scouts you're eating characters who already bowed with no fate on them and it's letting your steadfast witch hunter or whatever other bigger character you have around participate in another conflict which is there's nothing to be sneezed at. Kyle Sunichi got covert. Covert's just a big deal. And gains fate. <laughs> I, is action gained fate good? Yeah. And Hida Kasada kind of speaks for himself. I, I mean, do you think there's a crab deck that does not want to use three copies of all three of those? Bad ones? <laughs> so... I feel like the the dynasty is a little bit more controllable for all the clans right now because your options are so limited. I feel like if you have a crab deck, you kind of let's see, can you automatically lock down one? Is this twenty four cards? You've got the funeral pyre, Casada, witch hunter, Shinichi, vengeful berserker, vanguard warrior, shrewd Yasuki, Kyle envoy. Right, I feel like those are are just, and then uh, and then and then the eager scout. So that's that's twenty seven cards. I feel should just kind of be locked in for right now in a crab deck, and then you've got thirteen to play with. Maybe you have Yojimbos, maybe you have Heat of Guardians, maybe you like one of those those three cost guys, the Borderlands Defenders and the Intimidating Heatas. Keepers. But I think you also need to get in there. The neut- some of the neutral holdings, four of them at least, I think. I mean, I feel that's kind of the configuration that you're aiming for with Crab right now. Yeah, that sounds right to me. I don't know. You seen anything notably different flying around out there, Jay? Uh, I have not actually seen much Crab going on, no. So that's Crab. And the funny thing is, I, I don't even know how much use there is in ranking these things against each other like clan versus clan. There's a couple of more standout sorts of things, like six counter crane or everybody says dragon. Or not everybody, but some people say dragon. 
and people, some people say, okay, well, Unicorn's bad, or not as good, or something like that, but it doesn't seem like we know right now beyond that, like, oh, that Crab is better or worse than Phoenix is better or worse than, you know, something else. They don't seem too far off. I suspect that we'll be disabused of that notion once we have the flood of data at Worlds where it will start to become more apparent uh, what is going on tier-wise. But then I think within a week of Worlds, we'll have the next Dynasty cycle. I'm sorry, we'll have the Dynasty cycle start hitting. And so that would just hopefully shake that up some it's easy to overestimate how much a dynasty pack matters <laughs> right well a dynasty pack yes a dynasty cycle <laughs> something else entirely the, but yes by the time the whole cycle comes out but like when i like well, like for up at packs unplugged i think it's going to be the same environment yeah. as worlds all the all the rules change Oh well, that's right. If the if the roles change immediately, but I don't know how much the roles change deck construction. Not that much. Like on the dynasty side, they will for two clans. Phoenix and Scorpion. Who can't play keepers anymore? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like well, if you go from keeper to seeker, yeah, then you lose your keeper initiates. That's that's something, right? But the I mean, most of the changes are in the provinces and the. And the conflict cards, yeah. because I I don't think that the first dynasty pack is going to hit until we were estimating maybe the ninth, if they stick with their usual like time of week. So that 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 would be the the first one. So that I think they have to have been out for eleven days. Is it to be legal? And the grand cote is on the eighteenth. So I don't know. Maybe it'll hit. Maybe it'll hit by the seventh. So then we have crab conflict stuff and the, it's it's harder to judge what should or shouldn't be played quote unquote should or shouldn't be played on the conflict side because you've got the influence mess in there but I feel like we can start off by saying I feel every crab deck should have way of the crab yes yep every crab deck should be playing with the mountain does not fall every crab deck should be playing with watch command yes and most scorpion decks <laughs> Well, my, mine is splashing cream. But said most, not all. Fair. Yeah. Well, the hard thing about splashing crab is that their best cards, or, or at least the cards that I would want to splash the most, are all three influence. Yes. And Scorpion are on Seeker of Air right now, so if you splash. Like Watch Commander, that's your entire splat. Uh, toss in one of the two characters just to have an extra conflict side character, but yeah. What? Yeah, you you have you have one left. Yeah. If you, I don't. They don't even need a con. Like you've already got Adept of Shadows, right? I don't. Do you really need more conflict side? Char- I mean, you can, or you can put you you could play one Reprieve. That's only a one, and that's a pretty solid attachment. Yep. But it's basically, oh, well, I can now add an extra fate onto this character. Because that's that's usually what it does, is it's like, oh, this character is about out of fate. Well, I'll put a reprieve on them. <laughs> and now they don't. Also, from what I hear, it makes Way of the Crab worthless. Does it? No, it that's have... just the internet hyperbole. But yeah, the ruling is, 
if you play Way of the Crab, my guy has Reprieve, I can sacrifice my guy with Reprieve, kill off the Reprieve, I've satisfied Way of the Crab for you. Oh, so it's it's just unlike most other sacrifice effects, it's more like a kill effect rather than a... Yeah. Because Reprieve is just whenever it would leave play. Yes. Yeah, but, I mean, I think that's... I don't think Stoic Gunzo would be bad for a one-cost splash, because, like, if you've already got someone who's on defense you can swing with one of your cheap guys, then, oh, here's two, and I've got five military coming at you. Uh, I'm not saying it's the best, I'm just saying if you need a, another use for that one, and for whatever reason you don't like Reprieve. You can, yeah, it just... it. And Haruma Ambusher's ability is not nothing, either. But Stoic Gunso also has, I mean, you know, it has like that enhanced synergy with I know that I'm playing with these sacrifice effects. Although, who, who knows, maybe it's the other way around. You're like, maybe not. Maybe if you're crab, the Stoic Gunso is competing with other things. But I, I think the, the Ambusher and the gun, Gunso are sort of bubble kind of cards in a crab deck. Okay, you might be playing with them, but they're kind of down there at the bottom where they're fighting for those last few spots. I, whereas, I, I mean, Reprieve, I think you're probably pretty much just... I, you're probably just automatically playing it in a crab deck. Yeah, yep. And then uh, we've talked about Holdings. I think that you should probably just be playing with Rebuild too. Worst case scenario, you can get your Imperial Storehouses back and blow it up and draw a card to replace the Rebuild. Yeah. If you're worried about, like, your Hita Guardian or your Shrewd Yasuki not being able to do their thing, Rebuild will, will help make you do that. If it cost anything, it wouldn't be worth it. Right. What about the other two, Jade Tetsubo and, and Levy, which has been... I thought Levy would be better, too, and I don't think it really works out that way. I, th- I think Levy is good if you're uh, leveraging a, a Dishonor strategy, but not really other than that. Well, I, let's ass- let's assume that every crab deck has at least a minor in Dishonor choking. Well, no, it's, it's a minor in Dishonor choking. Levy is not enough. If you are playing a full-on my victory condition is Dishonor crab deck, then Levy goes into that because you go, oh, what's that? You're out of fate. Lose an honor. It can be a really good finisher because a lot of times in games. It's that last one or two honor that just feel impossible at times to get rid of. Exactly. And then Jade Tetsubo, which is just so expensive. It seems, again, it's another one of those like, wow, look at what a powerful effect that might have. It costs so much. It is so powerful, but yeah, two is a surprisingly large amount to pay for an attachment. Yeah, and again, it goes back to the, maybe it's an unfair comparison, but find Katana costs zero. So... (laughs) Well, and also, it doesn't just get rid of their fate, it puts it back in their fate pool. Yes. And it has a targeting requirement, which you're probably going to hit, but... Well, yeah, because your character has plus three, so if you put it on a character who starts as a three, you hit a lot of clan champions at that point. So, I guess that's like five auto-includes-ish for Crab out of their fate. And then a couple of other ones, the like the conflict characters, they're like, okay... And then a couple you probably don't want right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. about it feels about the same as most of the other clans. Okay, well let's let's hop over to at least get a second clan done today. 
So we're going to talk about Crane, and I think if we're talking about Crane, we should definitely let Jay present, don't you think? Yes. yes. I'm obviously the expert on, on powder blue <laughs> and, and looking nice. Okay, Mike, you want to you wanna lead the discussion on the Crane? Sure. So let's see, starting with the Stronghold, I guess. I love the Stronghold. It is really great. And then it doesn't do anything, and I'm a little bit sad, but it still just stops so many attacks from happening that it's great because people forget all the time oh wait you can just tap down my dude that i sent your province and nothing happens exactly i need to forget stop forgetting what this stronghold does i had one game where i triggered it three times to, (laughs) to, to a bounce attack because i just was tired and not paying enough attention and even things like the ronin the wandering ronin which is generally too expensive you can't even, like, his is in the conflict, so if he's attacking, he doesn't even get to pump to try and get out of range of the stronghold beforehand. So, yeah, it's, I, I love it. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, and even if your opponent isn't getting hit by it, it's because they're they're really changing how they buy and who they're assigning to conflicts and, and just doing stuff to get around getting hit by it. Yeah. And we covered the province, but Art of Peace, I think, is definitely an include. I, I just, it has a lot of upsides. It has enough upsides, even with a pretty good competition for air, that it's, yeah. It does what you need it to do. Okay, well, what about your pseudo-draw holding? I think it's, it's, it's good. It does make me question, because sometimes it's like, I flip up a card, and... You know, obviously, like, the open information is a cost. Your opponent does get to know whether or not he has to play around it. Sometimes that's fine. But sometimes, I actually feel like this is worse when you flip up a card that your opponent knows that they don't have to worry about. <laughs> Artisan Academy, ah, it's the stupid height of fashion. <sighs> right. I like, don't have well, the art- faith for that right now. And honestly, I've just forgotten it because it's, I don't know why, I just feel like it's a a lot easier to forget than just draw a card. Maybe that's just me, but, um... It is, is, no, no, you're right, it is easier to forget because it's not where you're usually looking for your hand. And you feel bad if you forget it because you forget about something else while the card's still in your hand. You didn't really, like, lose anything with the, uh... Yeah, the Artisan Academy, you forget about it, like, it's... One, your opponent's probably, like, sitting there thinking, what a dummy. Uh, (laughs) Yes, well, and, uh, well, the other thing is, so so your opponent knows that they don't have to worry about it, and you know you're going to draw that card next turn. So your opponent also knows one of your draws for next turn. And if there was more ways to shuffle your fate deck, that would be a lot less of a concern. Uh, Not that there really needs to be that. But, I mean, I still think it's good overall. It's essentially potentially repeated draw. And even if you flip up a couple, like, you know, you can potentially do two, although you have to wait for one for the other. Yeah, I mean, I like it. I I think you do play it over Imperial Storehouse, because if worse comes to worse, and it just essentially kind of drew you a card, it's still probably fine. It gets to sit in your province and still give you province strength while it does that. It's definitely better than Imperial Storehouse. I mean, and I am fine with Imperial Storehouse. For for all that it's not as good as action draw a card, I still feel like it should be in triplicate in your crane deck. Yeah, probably. Uh, I mean, I could see maybe a duplicate, but still, it's it, it's yeah. You're probably playing two or three. It's not. I'm the phoenix. I could just just draw cards because I'm the phoenix. But yeah, 
Yes. The Crane have a pretty good set of stuff. Yeah, I'm not complaining about it. I mean, I think it's well in line with the stuff that we got. And, and it plays to what you want to do, because Honor and Dishonor is actually a lot about hand size in this game, because that's so intrinsically tied to the Honor bid. So anything that draws you card is actually kind of natively Honor or Dishonor support. Yeah, I mean, how many how many Crane characters are there that you look at and say, this should be in every Crane deck? Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. <laughs> so not not two, not three, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's always more interesting. Like who who are you probably not playing with? Cautious Scout? No, Cautious Scout's amazing. I love him. Okay. I know that seems like, okay, you're not really getting a whole lot for uh, the military, and you could go scout with a cheaper body, but it just actually is good. You throw him at the um, meditation, no, it's the, what's the province where you don't resolve the ring effect? Pilgrimage. Yes, pilgrimage. You throw him at pilgrimage, and you still get your ring. I know that seems dumb, and he's, he's real close to just popping a province on his own. I know that he probably doesn't seem as good as he actually is, but I think he is actually just really, really good. I'll see. You're talking auto glitz. Are there two or three who aren't auto glitz? See, what do you think about Doji Gift Giver? I mean, Bao is powerful, but yes, I would at most play one of her. Like giving your opponent a fate is just too much when they get to yeah. also choose. And honestly, that's also what kind of dooms. Kikita Kaizen to me, or Kaizen, that your opponent getting to choose who he duels makes his ability just significantly worse. I would even pay one more for that character if I got to choose. Maybe that's just me, and maybe that's wrong, but, like, yeah. Yeah, but aren't you still playing with Kaizen? I'm playing, like, one copy of him mainly for stats. Mm. And because... He's that card that you pull one of at the right time, and he's just amazing, and he actually does, you know, potentially win you the game. But he's just not going to continually do so. Yeah, I mean, I I do think the dueling is overrated. Does he want to do things like have a fine katana and then go to a political fight? I mean, he can, yes, or he can just get honored and go take a province on either side. I guess honored is actually better than fine katana, now that I say that. Especially if you're going to show up in a political conflict. Right, so so you get him either of the zero-cost attachment, or you get him honored, he takes a province. That's probably good enough, but you compare him with Doji Challenger, who genuinely has, like, one of the best abilities in the game, and it's... Oh, oh, no, Doji Challenger is your best character. Yeah, I would agree. She's amazing. She's definitely, and everyone should have three of these. The only one I think that comes, uh, I would say Brash Samurai, Savvy Politician, and Doji Challenger are probably our three best characters. Brash Samurai is fantastico. Mm-hmm. And actually, Doji Whisperer, one for a zero three is actually really good. The, the Doji Whisperer is very efficient. Narashima's not bad on the other, on the military side of things either. I think I run like 
a one or two of him. Like, he's not enough to make me... Because I'm not going to be flooding out, right? Crane is not really a big, go horizontal deck. So, like, he's fine, but, like, I'm probably just using him to fill slots. Hmm. They have a number of characters who have... Who, like, seem really good, but maybe could have a thing instead of... They don't have a, a list of eight where I'm like, oh my god, you absolutely, or, or six where you absolutely have to put these guys in your deck. They're all amazing. They end up with a few more than that where I'm like, well, you definitely want to put these guys in your deck. Although it may, some of my list might be different than yours, uh, it right. sounds like, but I, oh. they're like not bad enough that they're obviously not going in. Especially since I don't, yeah, I mean, a couple of the ones that I think are on the worst end, like Kasha Scout, you're like, this one's great. So. That leaves not a lot of ones. Like, so who's bad then? Other than, I guess you think Doji Gift Giver is not good, and neither yes. Kazen or Narashima. If you're playing all those as one or two ofs, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Asahina Artisan is kind of on the edge. I I don't know. The fact that she has two glory saves a lot for her because bowing her so that she's basically a one for zero three, like Doji Whisper, but she gives it to somebody is like. I don't, she does have a lot of versatility, but at the same point, it's not so good that I couldn't replace it with somebody, right? She's a Shugenja, which helps with whatever the air card is that makes them... Cloud the Mind? Yeah, she she helps you play Cloud the Mind. Three politics is pretty good, but you're already pretty good in politics anyways. It has to be another character, although she can do it from home. Although, why she's sitting at home, that's I don't, that doesn't seem like it's that big of a benefit. But having two glory actually does matter, because if you can, it's pretty easy to get her honored, and all of a sudden she actually matters a lot more than your opponent was expecting. Or, if you just want to control the Imperial Favor, she's great at just paying one to get the Imperial Favor, because two glory is a pretty big amount for a one-cost character. I don't know many other characters that actually have two glory at one cost. And glory, it seems like most of the time, at the end of the turn, glory is just, like, yeah, the, the favor is just rings, because... People are not usually leaving guys unbowed if they're like that's that's not an efficient use of that that character. I guess there are a few more expensive folks where I like I look at the guest of honor and I kind of wonder sometimes because guest of honor is so painful when you're playing against him. Oh yeah, and you're like oh my god, like half my hand is useless. On the other hand, I can see being the crane player and being like oh four for a one four. It's the sort of thing where you have this different experience of it when you're playing with the character. You don't see all the things that the other player is not able to do sometimes because they're out there. I definitely agree with you, but I think that something that's very relevant to this discussion for all of the characters is that the Crane are just much more likely to get their glory added. When you're playing against a Crane, you probably actually have to take fire as often as you can just to try and control it. Also, you can turn the characters into terrible characters. But, like, Akikita Asami, 3 for a 1-3 with her abilities, like, ah, that's okay, but if you can get her honored, that's like a 3-5, and that's just what my way does for zero out of nowhere in the middle of a conflict. <laughs> way, way of the crane's good. You know, I can hit a savvy politician and then also hit Kikita Asami, and then you play something to make me dishonor somebody, and I voice of honor because now I've got more honorable characters than you do. It's, it's great. I love how the crane feels. You know, just as a brief aside from even how good the cards are or not. I also like where they are out of the core set, because 
I'm not really mad at any of the cards I'm having to play, if that makes sense. Like, there's no card I'm like, uh, I'd never want to see this card again, you know, as soon as I get anything. Like, you have enough good cards and enough neutral whatever cards that, like, yeah, some of these cards I could totally see replacing. I could see also coming back in if you had more of a, a different theme than Crane kind of have out of the base set. So, yeah, I, I'm, yeah, th- those two, Doji Gift Cover would be perfectly fine if you just paid one. Giving your opponent one tips her over, or if she had better stat line. But other than that, that's the biggest thing for me. I think Asahina Storyteller is great. Even if he just gives himself sincerity and maybe one other person's sincerity, if you paid two for a 2-4, that's pretty dang good. So, yeah. And I think the only Crane Dynasty card we haven't mentioned so far is Doji Hitaru. And my main thought about her is, so are they going to errata her into Tori so they work like they were obviously intended to work? No. At least how I think that they were obviously intended to work? No, I don't think they will. Because, number one, I don't think it... I don't think it actually ends up mattering that much. And number two, it especially doesn't matter because she's probably just going to be replaced as soon as, or not maybe not replaced, but at minimum run alongside the new character that we're getting. So like, I, I just, yeah, that's unfortunate too. Cause that, it really does feel like a screw up that she's not phrased in the way she needs to be phrased or they aren't phrased in the way that they need to be phrased to work. Well, and especially because there are other, like, uh, what, display of power specifically is just the wording they need, right? Yes. Because all they need is the fate of, all they need is the phrase, as if you are the attacker. Yes. Yeah. It's the sort of ability that if you actually intended it to only work when you were the attacker, then you would say after you claim a ring during a political conflict as the attacker. So that you did not even like have the possibility of people looking at it and thinking you could use it on defense, which is the natural way of reading this character. In fact, isn't this one of those ones, didn't they, in the preview article, they talked about either her or Tatori, like how like you could claim the ring on defense and get the effect for it? Yes. <laughs> yep. She's still an auto-include right now, right? But she's oh, yeah. she's not what she could be. She's just a big chunk of stats, and a lot of times that's what you need. I mean, there's only one other character in the game that even comes close on political skill before anything else happens. Well, I think I can think of at least one other character in the game who beats her on political skill before anything else happens. But right, true. But but, but still, like it's just it's rare to get this big a uh, chunk of political, and that in itself is good. You honor her, and she takes most provinces by herself against a two strength what? defender. She takes she takes most province by herself. Without, without being honored, if they don't get somebody up in there to fight her. Well, I mean, I mean on military. Oh, oh, on military. Oh, yeah, she's not shabby on military either. Okay, well, how about your conflict cards? This is the biggest mix of yes and no. There's so many cards that I love, and so many cards I'm just like, yeah, I like the theme of these cards. <laughs> I feel like Steward of Law will get better at some point but honestly i splash scorpion so his saying just nobody can become dishonored actually becomes a problem for me because i I stop being able to pay some costs well it means you can't pay for the scorpion event counter right well also the attachment grab calling in favors yeah that i've i've had that win me several battles I don't think I'm currently splashing it, but it's always one I'm thinking about, especially with how strong Dragon feels right now. 
I've been told we do not suck. Well, and also because we have a lot of event counters already. Like, we've got the character who's just like, you can't play events. And we have a card, which I don't think is actually very good above question, which is just, hey, you can't affect this person with events. Uh, but we don't have a whole lot against attachments, so that can actually help fill that hole. Uh, yeah, but, well, I, yeah, I I agree with you that above question is should not be played. Or, yeah, maybe you don't think yeah. it shouldn't be played, but I don't think it should be played. No, I don't think it should be played at all. I, I've all, I've never liked this card. I Yeah. Anyways, political rival is amazing. I think like I've won so many games just with this card. Covert is a heck of a big deal. Or you can drop and defend against basically anybody in the game on political. And be a, yeah. a bajillion political on defense. I am all of the political. Duelist training, I'm kind of off just because I'm kind of off duelist. I feel like dueling is something that's going to get support in the future, and they'll probably make it better. And it's probably not a bad card. I'm just like, eh, I'm not trying to make an honor deck, so I'm at least not right now, or even that strong of a dishonor deck, so I just... Yeah, duelist training is better on Laikita Kasada. Right. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm not particularly hot on dueling generally, Dueling is a thing that I want to do when I have a character who's just way more military than you. I know I've said this before, I think that of all the mechanical stuff in the game, and mechanical and thematic stuff that they've done in the game, dueling is the one that, like, that they messed up on. Dueling does not capture the flavor of dueling at all, I don't think. I don't think it's irreparably broken. I just think the cards that they have are not particularly great, especially not for Crane. I think it's actually pretty okay for Dragon. Well, I mean, that's there, there's a difference between, you know, yeah, I mean, I can take my duelist and put a fine katana and an ancestral dice show on him and then beat my opponent in the head, but, I mean, partially it's because, right, the cheese has gone, so there's no dueling-specific stat and the honor thing. I don't know. That's kind of a separate question, but I'm... right. For Crane, yeah, I don't think Duelist Training is really very good for Crane. You just don't have enough native military. Well, so what's, what's funny is so, mo- so much of this is story and not story, right? Because if this was a, a political duel, yeah, it, it, if Kazen was a political duel, probably it's a lot better card. Well, I mean, Kazen's got a two political, so I don't know about that, but... I still, like, you know, that's just kind of what you would expect. Like, it, it would, to me, it would make sense if Dragon's was actually a military duel. But anyways, my guess is that they will release something that will help duelists. I don't know, maybe they'll just release better duelists or better duels. Whatever, it's fine. Duelist training, I, I like the card art on the original. I like this card art again, but I'm not playing this card. <laughs> yeah, let's see. So you are, you're always playing with Way of the Crane, which is amazing, right? Yes, three of all the time. You're always playing with Voice of Honor, of course. Yes, Admit defeat, probably two of. There's not much bow, but there can also be times where it's, you know, if you're trying to defend, it just doesn't do anything. It's got its very specific targeting. Miramoto's Fury, it is not. (laughs) Right. Exactly. A perfect gift is probably going to be the most controversial, but I absolutely play three copies of it. I cannot tell you a single instance where I gave somebody a card I didn't want them to like, I really cared about them having and did not get a card that I really wanted. Like, I, I've never, just never ha- had this not hit. 
I've never had that worst case scenario happen. Maybe I will, and then I'll give it up. But even just this being raw card advantage, typically it just evens out, and it's hey, I get the best of my four, and you get the worst of your four. And well, it's right, raw card disadvantage. Right? No, that that's what I mean. Okay, it, it's raw card advantage for your opponent. Oh yeah, because yes. because I'm just replacing this card with the one, but. Because Crane tend to be more combo, or at least I should say that a lot of this, too, is how you're playing your Crane. And that's part of what I like about them is they have a lot of flexibility. For me, I'm playing with Scorpion, so a lot of mine is I will try and put pressure on dishonoring you. And perfect gifting into the piece of the combo that I need, whether that's Way of the Crane or whether that's Noble Sacrifice or whether that's Court Games, it, it really gets me the card I need at the card at the point that I need it. And a lot of times that's more important than an actual card advantage or card disadvantage. But I can also understand the point of people just not wanting to give their opponents cards and not wanting to play this card. But I think it's at a zero cost action. I don't see not playing it right now. And and obviously from that, you want to play with Noble Sacrifice from that description. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, I think the, uh, I'm trying to honor my people because I'm just kind of doing that. Dishonoring is a little bit harder, but I'm just, you know, you, you just try and get it done. Because when you do get a good Noble Sacrifice off, it is just devastating. It wins games a lot of times. And then, like, uh, the only other card is Hide of Fashion, which is just not good. Yeah. Yeah, you have a, you do have a decent number of ones where I want to be like, yeah, no. You're kind of, it is kind of shallow, and I guess you're, there's three, like, that's a really good cards. You look at, but you are sort of hard to splash, I think. You know, what's funny is when I went into my local game store, there were two or three players, they were all splashing Crane because they all loved, like, Perfect Gift in, um, I think, Above Question. I was like, okay, yes, I mean, spread our, spread our ways. Admit defeat's also not bad. Yeah, well, no, I mean, because the, the best Crane conflict cards are... Way of the Crane, which you can't splash, and Voice of Honor, which you can, but without the Crane honoring stuff, it loses a lot of a, of its luster. There's a reason why people talk about six-counter Crane, not six-counter Scorpion. Right. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on all of that Crane-ness, Jay? It was very pretty and powder blue. Yeah. you got to get you to talk more in these things, Jay. Oh, I mean, I mostly agree with what you guys are saying, so... <laughs> I'll let you. I'll let you two go. Are Are you splashing Crane in your Phoenix? So at the moment, and I, I've already decided I need to change this. At the moment, I'm splashing Lion because I was trying to make an honor deck. I was splashing Crane for a while. I have not decided what I'm going to splash next. It It is kind of funny, right? That if you want to splash Honor, Crane doesn't do that much for you. Right, because the crane splash is mostly helping you once you've already gotten honored. So I mean, yeah, yeah that's what I was. That's what I was doing was I'm playing Phoenix. I'm already trying to get my guys honorable. Here's some things to do once they're there. So maybe I'll go back to that because that did work out okay. I just kind of like that idea for crane. Like, oh, what that that didn't work for you? It works perfectly for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so we've finished. Dark bluish gray and very palish sort of blue. Gray. With the crab and the crane. So I guess, does that mean we got more done this time? Because we we covered two colors instead of one? 
covered two grays instead of one gray. <laughs> Next episode, we'll cover three grays. Next episode, we've got green, and then, okay, basically a different variation of, of gray, like the, the barely colorful. I guess I, I do wish that there was a little more color. Yeah, it is hard to go. Is that, oh, that's lion. Okay. It doesn't kind of doesn't matter anymore because everything's bindered now, but I wouldn't mind if there was if there had been a little bit more pop in the color on the cards. Yeah. Since I go Phoenix, I've lost track of how many times going through the cards when they're by clan and not stopping until I'm about halfway through the Scorpio like, that's too many cards. <laughs> so let's back up here. Okay. Here here I am. Here's the actual divide between Phoenix and Scorpion. Yeah, they're they're a little they're a little close. Yeah. Okay, but uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap up this episode now. It sounds like at this rate we're going to have at least four parts, but we're not there yet. So that is it for part two of this review. You have been listening to Strange Assembly. You can find us on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there and the uh, Apple Podcast app in the Google Play Music Store. You can also find us on your usual social media. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly or at strangeassembly on Twitter. Uh, You can also contact me directly. I always like to hear your comments and criticisms and or positive things too, right? Not just criticisms. I'm Chris at strangeassembly.com. But until then, for Jay Earl and Mike Cook, I'm Chris Stevenson, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Now to go play Grey Clan with Grey Clan as my splash. <laughs>